Welcome to Green Carpet Interviews. Let's get into the show. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on our first episode of Green Carpet Interviews. This is a, a monumental moment for us. Uh, so my name is uh, Deji Bancole. And I'm Akindele. Um, and you know, we are, we are, we're father son duo, you know, I've, we've, we have, we've had a podcast in the past before, but this one is going to be really good. It's going to be focused on conscious living, exploring topics such as healthy eating, sustainability, building community, reducing animal cruelty and cultural education. So, um, this show, we're going to bring on influencers. We're going to bring on activists. We're going to bring on specialists. Uh, that are just going to sort of show us how to, how we can all just live better, you know? Um, but before we go on, Dad, you know, what was the inception of this show? Well, I mean, uh, especially, you know, we have uh, we have a couple of restaurants um, here in California. Mm. And so um, a vegan restaurant, that is. And so part of the plan is a three-step three step process. We have the food itself. And then we have a community that we're trying to build uh, around around veganism and then also education. And so this part of the podcast is our first step in that education piece. Mm. So that's why we're here. So we're bringing so we're bringing, you know, experts, people who have who've spent their lives doing, you know, uh, you know, thinking and and living consciously. And we're right. we're sort of bringing that to the forefront uh, for right. our listeners and our our community that we're building, and anyone else that you wants to come in and and join and and listen to what we're, we've got going on. So, Absolutely. without further ado, we are going to bring our first guest in. Uh, yeah, his name, yeah. His uh, his name is Jay Brave. He is a an advisor to organizations. You know on a wide range of topics, you know, related to veganism, sustainability, regeneration. He's an educator, um, broadcaster and speaker. Um, he's a founder of, of different organizations. Uh, he's, he's, he's done a lot of stuff. Um, he's from the UK. So, um, that's also kind of cool, you know? Uh, uh, <laughs> so is he, uh, is he up already or is he ready to go to bed? He yeah you know it's he's in the future right now you know we're talking oh, yeah, to a, awesome. a man in the future and <laughs> he's um he's he's he should be he's he's probably winding down you know what to be honest you know I was just in Argentina and they don't wind down until you know two a.m. so I don't know maybe he's not winding down either maybe he's just getting started you know so um, <laughs> it's possible yeah <laughs> okay although it rains there quite a bit. I mean, yeah. I lived I lived in London for a couple of years myself. So yeah, yeah. I've only visited, but yeah, it's very gloomy. It's very gloomy, although it is gloomy here as well. And exciting uh, so. at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, gloomy and exciting. It's a great place to live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he's gonna tell us all about that. Um, <laughs> all right, without without further ado, we're gonna introduce Jay Brave into the nice. mix, and here he comes. It's coming in now. <laughs> there Hello. he is. There he is. <laughs> Hi. 
Jay Brave, uh, coming to us from the future. Indeed, as some would say. <laughs> so I suppose this is what time zones means these days. But yes, from the future. <laughs> um, awesome. So we we gave a brief introduction about you, but uh, just uh, just tell the people, you know, who the people who don't know who you are, who you are, you know, uh, from across the pond, and um, and you know what what you're sort of about, you know. Sure. I mean, it's a very broad uh, question. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, in the context of uh, Green Carpet Interviews, and first and foremost, let me thank you uh, both for inviting me to be part of your show, this wonderful work that you're doing here. Uh, but yeah, I am, uh, for my sins, uh, <laughs> a vegan activist, uh, an entrepreneur, and I feel that the role that I play in the, my life, the lives of others, uh, is very much of an empath as well. I think empathy has been a large part of what has guided me to this yeah. uh, kind of vegan, sustainable, and ultimately a regenerative path. And so that has kind of meant for me uh, along my journey over the last seven years that I've now been uh, vegan. Um, in the early days of that, I made a, a viral track called a vegan shut up which you'll be able to find on spotify youtube and all these uh, other media places which was really well received i was able to tour that up and down uh, the uk europe i even came and performed a, a, a vegan doing echo park and actually went to sherman <laughs> oaks as well so uh nice I've come and uh, I've come and tasted a bit of uh, the West Coast hospitality, uh, uh, and uh, from there I was able to kind of like roll that forward into kind of talking uh, with different organisations, with schools, and people who kind of found that the maybe kind of like more light-hearted comedic approach to the conversation, which sometimes can be seen as so uh, polarising unfortunately when ultimately i mean all we're trying to do is make a better world and i don't sometimes understand why it's so polarizing but there are so many like you know political like and i suppose cultural facets to the, this concept of of of, of veganism mm. uh but that has then brought me also to i mean even as far as the world economic forum in davos and was part of their inaugural green debate and got to be part of a conversation as to how we can maybe move the industry of hospitality to become something which is like more green more regenerative because it has such a massive imprint in itself uh and so really yeah bit by bit in kind of different projects in different uh, facets and different small bits and pieces i've just been doing what i can i think to kind of echo that uh that famous quote that you can't change the world we can only change ourselves but by mm -hmm. changing ourselves we can have an impact on the world mm -hmm. and so that's kind of been i would say how i would surmise my uh, my story and what brings me here today that's awesome that's awesome so what uh so do you mind uh, just let us know like when you became vegan and sort of what how that sort of came about yeah, so I've been vegan now since uh, 2016, that's mm. when I went vegan, and it's funny that I'd actually, I think there was a part of me that always knew I wanted to be vegan, and mm. uh, there's a there's a funny video that was actually released as part of the Future Normal campaign for uh, the Vegan Society, where I made a short vignette where I talk about when I was a child, and uh, I'm from the Caribbean uh, background, and so there was a, a famous dish called uh, Escovitch fish. 
which is uh, made where there's a, a whole fish, maybe it's a mullet or different type, which is fully fried and then like with like vinegar, vinegarized like onions, peppers. And as a kid, when these fish were served at like a, a christening or a party or whatever the event was now, uh, the fish were basically still their, their whole, mm. the whole body, the face, the eyes. And as a kid, I looked at it and I felt that I could rescue the fish. And I'll never forget mm-hmm. that. I tried to take the fish and wrap them in, in, in tissue and try and hide them in the hope that I was rescuing the fish. Oh. Not obviously recognising that they were already like <laughs> fully fried and cooked. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was there was a part of me that already, as soon as I saw that something had eyes, I was like, mm. it's it, it, it has a life that it probably wants mm. to have. And so it's funny that I had that moment as a child, but then was able to, or not able to, I mean, life, the the the, the marketing of the world that we live in kind of normalizes uh, the, the processes by which we then, like, you know, become part of this uh, animal agriculture complex. And mm-hmm. we just kind of like see our place in it. And it's, we no longer even recognize them as other sentient beings. We now just call it meat or protein. <laughs> mm, uh, yeah. Which is part of that, that, you know, that dis- yeah, exactly. It was so part of that disassociative, <laughs> like yeah. depersonalizing way that we're able to kind of like, in essence, take ourselves further away from the act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was a kind of my my early memory. Uh, but it then took me until yeah, in my like mid thirties, where a number of things kind of combined. I was working in a food prep company and i kind of saw on the inside how a lot of our food is prepared and made um, at scale and a lot of that kind of like really opened my eyes and kind of horrified me a bit but it was also uh, at about the time when you may remember a game pokemon go came Mm -hmm. out yeah and i was amazed to see that with the advent of this kind of like screen-based technology that here was something that actually got people up off of their butts and out and actually doing stuff mm, rather than yeah. just kind of sitting face down. And so I started developing an idea for an app, which would be in essence, a very similar augmented reality uh, type uh, kind of game or type kind of uh, idea, mm-hmm. but it would be based around uh, seasonality of fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. that you would be able to use your device to kind of like, in essence, be guided towards making more sensible and sustainable purchases. Mm. And as you as you did that, you would win rewards and points that you would be able to then use in vegan restaurants or in other kind of places. And bit by bit, by gamifying the process through people's like educational experience, it doesn't feel like you've been lectured, but it feels like like autonomous. Mm. And in autonomy is how you get people to learn in a way that sticks. And mm. so I'd kind of developed this idea. But when I was looking for funding to develop this app, I never forget, uh, I went and talked to these uh, VCs and I gave the pitch and then they were like, so you're vegan? And I was like, uh, no. And they were like, so you're pitching this massive vegan app that you want <laughs> millions of pounds of funding for, but you're not vegan yourself. And they were like, I think that's going to be the first step. And so it uh, kind of pushed, it, it was like the tipping point and it pushed me. And so although that's actually something that I've ended up like, you know, not following up at the time or even still now i mean it's a it's a very big project even though the technology has probably made it a lot easier to develop now than back in 2016 uh it was the tipping point that made me kind of recognize that you know what i can no longer tiptoe around this like let's go fully in and yeah yeah, it's been happy days ever since actually 
That's awesome. That's really great. That's good. Now you had talked about um, also um, the the polarization that some of our conversations with other people, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, get people into. Uh, people become polarized and they think that um, speaking about veganism creates this adversarial, uh, you know, relationship with people. And so what do you think um, uh, some of the ways that would help us deliver that message where it will stick and people can have something to take with them to to mull over and and then hopefully make a change in their own lives towards being being uh, vegans. That's a really good question. Uh, I think uh, just kind of echoing back to as I said, the success of my uh, my parody song "Vegan Shut Up" was by infusing humour into the conversation. Hmm. I find that you're far more likely to get a, a positive reaction from somebody i think in the first couple of months when i went vegan uh i was confronted a lot by people who wanted to you know use the kind of the common uh troll tactics of butt bacon or cheese or they want to kind of mm -hmm. try and get a, a rise out of you and mm -hmm. i think with anything the moment that you kind of succumb to that and you kind of like lash out or you kind of act from a place of uh, negativity you kind of put even whatever your value that you're defending you kind of it also ends up sharing that negative light of the energy that mm. you then bring to the discussion mm. and so what I kind of realized was the way to turn this on its head was I really want to say shut up to everybody who asked me this and Stormzy had a song that was number one at the time called shut up so I was like right how can I combine the vegan message with the number one song called shut up which is what I want to tell all of these people who were giving me a hard time about being vegan and then mm -hmm. vegan shut up was born. And so then by infusing humor into it, by then kind of getting as well as broad a raft of, uh, uh, of stakeholders from across like, you know, uh, like the vegan sphere, whether that were vegan businesses, vegan chefs, mm -hmm. like prominent other vegans and getting them all to kind of cameo and be part of the story, be all like kind of like happy, smiley together. It kind of ended up like, uh parlaying forward and it released on world vegan day like back in uh, yeah in 2018 and again as well just by being able to be attached to that hashtag world vegan day it was then carried by live kindly by plant-based news by the mm. vegan society and ultimately without using any uh like you know like marketing spend or anything just naturally it ended up going to like yeah over two and a half million views Wow. Uh, which was just like, you know, like it was really amazing considering that I did it as a labor of love. I did it as a way of like, right, if people are going to ask me about my veganism, rather than me giving you an answer, let me send you over to Spotify. Let me send you to YouTube. <laughs> go and go and go and like, you know, add on my page, basically. Let it be worthwhile for me to, to engage yeah. your your trolling. And it actually ended up like, yeah, like working for the for the best. And so I would say that infusing humor, but then the other way I would say, and probably something that you may well know is food. When you give somebody food, like when there is something for them to taste immediately, mm -hmm. rather than just thinking about the idea of it. So I think what people also think when they hear about veganism, they think about restriction. They think about what they can't have <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than a world of things that they can totally. have that they maybe right. hadn't had access mm -hmm. to before. I realized that I've always been someone who loved cooking, loved making food, but actually, uh, 
there was quite a limitation to what I was making. Ultimately, I was like doing like, you know, uh, I was jerking a chicken. I was like roasting a lamb leg. I was, but really there was probably about five or six things in the world that I was, I, I made them really well, sure. Mm-hmm. But that was, but that was it. Did I know before I went vegan, like what I would do with uh, a Swede, a pak choy, <laughs> how to like make a miso aubergine? I wouldn't, I, di- I didn't because they all required a level of maybe like, you know, like dexterity or knowledge beyond, yeah. like, you know, what ready meals or what, again, the provenance of an animal's body like kind right. of gives you. It's just so easy to put like uh, a piece of flesh on a grill, turn it over twice and then boom, I've got my steak dinner. But it mm-hmm. takes a little bit more knowledge. It takes a little bit more understanding to, mm-hmm. to, to, to make things that are comparable from plants. But once you do get into that world, it mm-hmm. is now all of a sudden, yeah, I, I, I can go 20, 30 days without eating the same thing. Right. Uh, I mean, don't yeah. get me wrong. I use the same ingredients sometimes yeah, and right. often, but, you right. know, but now combinations of how to make things are so much more inventive. I see right. plates that are, ra- that are rainbows like rather than just mm-hmm. like a series of different like beiges and browns and yeah like, so, <laughs> yeah uh, and so i think that that as well has been inviting friends over introducing people to like these new like foods and concepts and watching them taste it for the first time and go this isn't vegan and i'm like no it is i made it and then they kind of their disbelief because there is also again as part of this uh uh this this mindset is that like vegans only eat leaves and that we're all like malnourished and i actually i I would say that i eat more now than i ate previously and what i definitely do is i definitely eat better right that's awesome you know it's uh interesting i i absolutely understand that because i'm also uh gluten-free and i've been gluten-free longer than i've been vegan for and Mm when I would tell people, Hey, you know, like gluten-free vegan, they're like, well, what do you eat? You know, like, do you eat air? <laughs> I mean, is it just like, you know, you hear, here's your gluten-free vegan meal. It's just empty bowl with, you know, they have spoon in it. It's, it's like, you know, the, the ideas that the idea that meat needs to be on the plate or, you know, you need to have chicken or, you know, whatever. It's like people have not sort of expanded or broadened their horizons in terms mm-hmm. of like what is available to them for, for, I mean, cooking or anything, you know, it's just like, mm-hmm. you know, they, they haven't, they haven't, like you said, you know, they haven't, do you don't flex a muscle. Um, if you, you don't, you can't like, you know, grow the muscle of like understanding how to like cook, a you know, these different types of meals without actually flexing, you know, you need to like get outside of your comfort zone of, you know, like you said, on open, get a slab of, you know, whatever, put it on the grill, flip it over and you're, you're done, you know, or, you know, so, um, I, that's kind of a interesting segue into the next thing, which, uh, I think is interesting feeding your vegan child. So explain that a little bit. So, yeah, I am, a. I think, although I listed some kind of, uh, achievements and things that I've done in the world which is kind of how we've come to recognize and see each other in this kind of like very left-brained world Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. I actually think that the my my proudest work uh is being a been a parent being a father and so like yeah I have uh two wonderful beautiful daughters and they are both been like yeah like one's uh four and the other one's one but yeah they have been vegan from birth 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, yeah, raising a vegan child uh, was an opportunity to be the kind of the cover family for uh, an amazing book by a nutritionist here in the UK called Sandra Hood. This was part of, uh, at the time, I was also a trustee at the Vegan Society. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of public prominence about like, yeah, me, my family, we would, whenever I was going to perform as well, I wouldn't kind of go if I couldn't bring my family with me because ultimately the, the greatest advert for for the lifestyle that I've like you know opted for and that my family has opted for is meeting us as a family, seeing like you know like you know like like happy kids and seeing like everybody kind of just in a in a in a in a, in a great vibe and so the book was an opportunity for us to represent at least uh, mm. to people like what like you know this this life could look like uh, and I mean yeah like it's funny that i mean something i was going to say just to the last question but i suppose does neatly like dovetail into this is the importance of language and like the language that we use even with our children which normalizes some of these uh habits and behaviors because from the beginning i have never called uh animal products meat to my Mm. to my to my daughters because again this is part of that normalization that like meat is a product but ultimately meat is a piece of another sentient being's body mm-hmm. and when you kind of look at it through that lens from the beginning mm-hmm. uh, and we don't just say like you know do you want to eat like chicken dippers there isn't such thing as a chicken dipper like basically <laughs> it's this do you want do you want to like that that bird that like you know that is like yes. your that is your friend that you like like playing with that you're seeing outside will ultimately be sacrificed and then put through a blender with starches and other things and then baked mm-hmm. in the oven to make those dippers. Mm-hmm. And so some would say that, well, don't you think that's kind of cruel? And I said, well, no, I think the cruelty is on the other side of that balance sheet. Mm-hmm. The cruelty is in not giving our children uh, and giving the world like, you know, the truth and then like pushing that harm and that violence onto these other sentient beings by like that normalization process. Whereas actually, if we're honest about it, I think a lot more people would make more conscious decisions about what they're doing. It wouldn't be so mindless if you were mindful. Yeah. Having all the, having all the cards on the table and saying, excuse me, you know, this is exactly what's happening. Mm -hmm. Make a decision, you know, like, uh, I remember seeing something before about like, you know, um, you know, like, uh, you would never want to hide the the harvest harvesting of like you know you know uh uh carrots you know it's not like you're gonna be like not showing anybody like how how do you harvest carrots how do you how do you pick tomatoes how do you you know uh get lettuce you know prepare lettuce it's like but the the reverse for the other other industry is is complete shrouded in complete you know darkness you know in that way and so Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, I, um, you know, I noticed, uh, you know, the, the type of world that you, you want, you know, the future of the world that you, you are painting, uh, something about, uh, uh, you know, a multipolar animistic collaborative ecosystem approach, uh, to, to our shared existence. And I thought that's a great, that's a great concept, you know, um, as a Nigerian myself, uh, who is also um, very much interested in uh, African spirituality, you know, and a lot of African spirituality is actually very animistic, 
you know and i think um, and of course animism is um, is imbuing uh you know um, energy or spirit or sentience into everything around us and i think by by so doing we we have a little bit more reverence or respect for you know all sentient beings including other things as well you know uh, all living beings and so um and I was thinking when you were talking about, uh, you know, raising a vegan child, that one of the things that I, for me, that veganism entails compassion. Yes. You know, like, like it's almost for me, like the foundation of what it means to be, to be vegan. But it, and that compassion is... Um, you know, it's it spreads to every single person, including meat eaters, <laughs> I, and which is interesting. And and mm -hmm. and so so there's a little bit of a some some level of a passivity within the concept of veganism. So when I hear uh, a lot of polarizing going on in the conversation, I know that somehow we've we've um, lower the value of that compassion that is inherent in veganism. And yet I understand how do we talk about it by not by not being adamant about trying to move this concept forward. So there's a balance that we have to have be between this. The other thing also that I, and the reason why I bring this up is that in the concept of raising a vegan child, that in our DNA, we are thousands of years of participating in meat eating. Mm -hmm. So in other words, the, 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 the fact that we are all vegans at this time is so minute in the span of time. So the time that we've been vegan is, I mean, like, Point zero 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 zero. You can go on at infinitum, yeah. To say we're not, we're just scratching the surface, and so our history, our bodies, our DNA has an imprint of having been meat eaters or been meat eaters for so long in the past that it is that compassion that's within the veganism that I think we need to hold so that when we look at ourselves in the past and we look at those who are in the present still eating meat, that we hold that compassion because we know we are them. Oh, for sure. Uh, I mean, to some extent, I mean, a couple of things kind of came to mind there. It makes me think of the, the, the tolerating the intolerant uh, paradox, that if you tolerate the, the if, you're, if you can continue to tolerate Ultimately, like the, the in, in tolerating intolerance for so long, proving that you are tolerant, you allow the intolerance to take over. Yeah, because totally. you keep because you keep on making space. At some point, you kind of have to draw a, a line and go like, right, enough right. is enough. Right. Uh, but it's interesting though because I mean, this kind of goes to some of the the, the big discussions that I remember in like, my early days of uh, of kind of like moving towards this more vegan lifestyle. And that was kind of even looking at like our the history of our teeth and the fact that we are not carnivores. Mm -hmm. We are we are like you know we're like 
more omnivores and like you know definitely not like fully herbivores but we do have the capacity to kind of thrive on only uh, a plant-based uh, diet and also as well there is this kind of like this misnomer that uh over oh, this very romanticized idea of humans as hunter-gatherers that we were like really like more hunter than gatherer but we were more gatherer than hunter mm-hmm. like totally <laughs> it, 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 i mean the the the, the 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 facts prove this that like it was mainly foraging and like herbs and and berries and fruits and veg and it was like very rare uh that we were kind of uh capturing these like these large or big animals but to that point as well i think that there is a part when because when people will then say well how come other animals don't have to be vegan like you know lions aren't vegan cats aren't vegan these aren't i'm like but do you know what they don't do they they don't create industrial animal agriculture complexes like they catch the one that they were going to eat and there was a reverence with that that is the one thing that fills them there is no contract killing like Right. You do you, you do your you do your own dirty work, and I think that is where we have kind of ended up evolving to, which is actually quite unnatural. We are largely, you know, the people who like you know you're categorizing, we're framing as like meat eaters, or the people who would yeah consume the bodies of other sentient beings. That if they were able to look that other being in its eye, and they were able to take its life itself. And they were able to then, like you know, uh, preserve the body, create like you know the cuts that they're going to eat for their family. Similar to how different indigenous groups, whether that be the Inuits in like you know in the uh, the Arctic, uh, or like you know different groups around the world, like who are still kind of capturing animals one at a time. But then what you find when you look at that, and again, even looking at some of the uh the, the the practices that are indigenous in modern day nigeria to whether that be amongst Igbo or like yoruba people you will see that in the sacrifices of some of those animals not only was respect given you will see that like even the pieces of the animal which were maybe not like nutritious like tails or teeth or skins were then used as part of ceremony were used as part of like you know kind of like royal uh kind of uh regalia and stuff because there was an understanding and a respect that this animal that has given its life for our nourishment isn't just to be then thrown away i'm not going to have a couple of bites and then throw the rest of it every mm-hmm. single morsel every single part of it like was recognized as sacrifice this is back to as you said in the the ancient spirituality and the animism of the world prior to a kind of like uh dualist takeover from like western and imperial kind of like mindset was that everything did have that respect and so there was never the opportunity for people to get to a place where they would mindlessly like slaughter many animals just for taste and just (laughs) leave the rest of it over there or like you know kill a chicken just for the wings like no 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 nobody was doing that but this is where we have kind of iterated to as like you know as a as a society as a human family and i think this is where like you know i contend that we can make conscious change and i think that is also where as well i think one of the things to demark or to definitely like note is there is a difference between veganism and being plant-based because i think that what is going on in the world at the moment is especially in the business space it is about being plant-based because veganism is actually more about a philosophy and it's right. more about, as you said, a, a way of being. And right. it's not ne- like I think that the veganism that I embody, like 
is really a, a, a full spectrum uh, uh, justice position. Uh, and so what it doesn't allow for is for me to, in the rush to sell vegan products, I push more people, for example, into like uh, into debt or poverty, or I do more damage <laughs> to the environment while I'm like wrapping my new like vegan sweets in more plastic. Or mm, right. so th those things also kind of don't sit well with me. Ultimately, it's more of a a respectful like form of veganism, which is about slowing down. So to some, I mean, mm. it would be kind of perceived or kind of like definitely recognized as like largely anti-capitalist. It would be very much about more kind of community focus mm. and less about like, you know, yeah, like capital focus. It'd be how can we bring everybody in? And it's about this, the nature of stakeholders rather than shareholders, because I want everybody to be at the table. And when I say everybody, in the animist sense, everybody includes the trees, the rivers, the birds, the wind, the insects. We are all part of the family who we are all made of carbons, right? You know, we have just like, you know, in our hubris, as humans demarked ourselves separate to the other animals. We are animals too. Mm -hmm. totally. Totally. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, uh, that's really uh, interesting. Uh, you know, the other thing also is that with, um, uh, with what you just mentioned right now at the very end um is that as human beings we we pride ourselves in thinking that we have stewardship over the earth and therefore we can do whatever we want with ownership ownership stewardship yes. is where we should be but absolutely is where we're making the mistake absolutely yes and we think we can we can then uh, and we monetize everything but mm -hmm. i think to your concept of capitalism uh versus community i think perhaps both can be weaved together because i understand i understand uh, the the capitalist uh, uh, thinking that it's about being able to create more things for more people at least th that's what we are what what we're trying to do with it that's supposedly what we should be doing with it. But, but I think um, if we have the idea of having smaller communities, for example, with a small community, because if you think about, let's say a group of 100 people, 150 people, how many doctors do we need for that group? Maybe three doctors. Mm -hmm. uh, how many lawyers? Maybe two. Uh, maybe another three accountants or whatever. We don't need everybody to, to all be lawyers and doctors. Mm -hmm. That's silly. There, there are other jobs to be done. In fact, during the pandemic, it was very clear some of the things that were very essential, like retail work, was really essential. It's essential work. We need to, we need people getting the food to us, <laughs> you know. So it's not just uh, the medical industry or or the legal or you know. In fact, politicians, you know, had some role, but only only in bringing us together. That's that's their role, but uh, really having smaller communities where it's not about ownership but about we become stewards of whatever we have we have we've been given the opportunity to partake in for example if i have a home it's an opportunity to actually partake in that home mm -hmm. and my home belongs to everybody within that community even though it might be under my name but it's a it's a part of the community and I think we need to think about it differently. I agree with you. 
Yeah, I, I, I would agree. And the thing I would say as well that, I mean, I think sometimes, again, like just even the mention of capitalism and having any kind of opposition to it is one of those things that can bristle people. But uh, I would kind of contend that when banks get bailed out, that's socialism. Totally. Like, mm. but is socialism oh, yeah. only socialism is only for rich people. Like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> and so I would like. I mean, if if that if if it was played out by the hard and fast laws of capitalism, there would be no bailouts. You made totally. a mistake, so you're bent to lion. That's that's the 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 fate of poor people. Like you know, if mm. if it's your your economic decisions, your cost. But at the top level, it doesn't play out like that, which is why right. we're seeing that it is. It's, it's crony capitalism. And so I suppose my critique is more towards that crony capitalism. At its right. core, the idea that someone has an idea and that they can make something which benefits more people, totally for that. What I'm not for is then resources being ring-fenced for some people and not others, which ultimately Absolutely. then creates like, you know, a, a very cancerous and quite an ill system. When ultimately, right. like, yeah, cancers and, and illnesses in, in nature at large, they don't survive because they can't be propped up art artificially. Right. We, we, we kind of have to, like, you know, uh, abide by the laws of nature. And I think that abiding by the laws of nature and if we allowed or at least we created our societies to be underpinned by natural laws rather than man-made rules, I think that then right. we would be on a, a surer footing to a more equitable future. I agree with that. I think it's about truth, well, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Wow. Yeah. Some uh, some some really good stuff there. Um, awesome. So I I I sort of want to uh, change focuses into to the future and and sort of how how do you how do you sort of see the future of sort of all that we've been talking about? You know, the future of veganism, the future of you know um, developing community. Uh, how how in an idealistic you know, take how how would you think that this would be the best way forward? What what do you think the best way forward is for? Uh, I mean, the world that we live in is undoubtedly so complex. We have, I mean, just amongst the human family alone, we have almost eight billion different stories happening simultaneously, <laughs> and like I've become wise to that, the fact that we can idealize change mm -hmm. but we have to also be to some extent realistic mm -hmm. <laughs> about different communities different parts of the world that are evolving at different speeds seeing things through different lenses my dream however is that through the world becoming more multipolar through mm. more uh groups I think, yeah, as you said, I can delete to more communities embodying their their agency and not mm -hmm. kind of just falling in line inside of like bigger hierarchies. We have the ability and maybe the propensity to 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 start making positive changes that affect us small scale first, but then kind of mm -hmm. trickle up. Right. Uh, I mean, there is this. The, the, the concept that change happens at three levels it happens at the individual then at the social then at the systemic mm. uh, and where a lot of movements 
uh, I have been part of, and even like now when I look at the state of veganism or some of these other kind of like social justice movements that I'm attached to where they fall down is that we do a lot of work maybe at the individual and social, but we never get to a place where we're actually making systemic change. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, how can we be in our groups more, uh, I suppose, personally empowered to believe that we have not only the, the, the right, but the agency to make that systemic change? Mm-hmm. How do we actually like, you know, speak truth to power and not have it silenced? There's this, again, this idea that there are people who are voiceless. And I hear a lot of people talking about, I speak for the voiceless. I'm like, there are no voiceless people. There are just <laughs> people who are, who are actively like, you know, silenced, but they have a voice. Everything and everyone, we all, they, there are voices. Nature's voice is coming back at us violently through storms and floods and fires because it's like you've tried to quiet us down for your ec- abstract economic game, but we're going to come back and shout. And mm-hmm. I just think as we start to listen to that, I hope that what it will do is it will wake up the voices in us as well. It will wake up in us this kind of like how things are going. This can't, this can't persevere. I think as well, something that, I mean, I would kind of like round out on would be that uh, as humans who really and truly, I mean, the oldest of us maybe lives to what, 100 years it means that we view things through such a short time horizon. Like mm-hmm. we kind of think that like a hundred years is a long time, but I mean, you probably like live not too far away from those great redwoods and sequoias in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they will tell you what time is different to how we see it. They will tell you that like, you know, we have seen you come and go like empires rise and fall. We're still here. And I think that as we are able to recognize the time horizon that nature exists on, that we exist on, even as you pointed out that our vegan adventure has been 0.00000% of our time here. It's taking that longer view, that meta view, that kind of allows us to kind of sit or stand in our power and feel more confident in recognizing that this is a blip, that like, you know, it may seem all powerful around us now, but so did the divine right of kings. 500 years ago <laughs> like so bit by bit we we do make those changes but i think that with nature's voice getting louder around us it is going to be on us to listen harder and make action a lot quicker hmm. yeah that's very fascinating i like that that's really yeah. good we are unfortunately we're uh, out of time now it kind of went by pretty quick there i feel like like we were it talking did, like it 10 did, minutes it did, <laughs> it, it did i mean i'm sure that we could all talk about this like adding totally. yes yeah. I, I i i want to hear more from you for sure yeah, um, we have to do we have to do this again oh i'd yes. love to i'd love yeah, to come back to and be one again. of your one of your regular guests that would yeah. be really awesome That'd be really cool yeah um okay so uh is there is there anything else that you sort of you know if you had um uh advice or you know like a message you wanted to say to you know maybe anybody thinking about you know going on this journey you know um of of living better living more consciously um do you have any advice for them i would I, I, I would say, and I mean, even how I've spent uh, my day in the future uh, before kind of coming to this 
meeting, I every single day without fail, it's almost like now my religion, I make sure that I put aside time to go and spend time in nature. I mean, I say that as if nature is separate from us. We are also nature. And so spending even time in yourself, like you know, is 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 of great value. But sometimes to be able to get out of your own way to see yourself, it takes going and sitting amongst the trees, going somewhere where it's quiet, away from the maddening crowds, away from cars, you're away from your phone, away from technology, and just ground, take your shoes off, put your feet in the grass. We are electric beings after all, we are organic, but we're electric beings. And that electricity comes up through the ground. I mean, as again, we could get into a whole other conversation about the pyramids and Nikola Tesla and how electricity was free before it was like made into this. Like, but <laughs> the long and short of it is, is that we benefit so much from grounding. We benefit so much from stilling our minds, being quiet. And I mean, it's a form of meditation, really. I know that, the again, the ideas of meditation and yoga to some people can be really uncomfortable and it may seem an appropriation from another culture or it might not seem as something that speaks to you but meditation can just be going for a walk it can just be like looking into the sea looking into a body of water but it's spending time where you can feel yourself outside of the abstraction of of modernity and that kind of just allows us to kind of settle back into who we really are and i think that as a, as, a, as a first step, if we can do that for even a couple of minutes per day and build it up to a little bit more time, you kind of get to a place where you kind of then see yourself through this other lens. You're not just like, like a cog in your nation's GDP. <laughs> you, you, are, you, are, you are part of nature's beautiful and amazing story. And I think sometimes we forget that and we kind of like look at each other through these uh, uh, qualitative lenses when mm. the, be- the beauty is life itself. The fact that we're here able to have this conversation is the beauty. And so I think this gratitude, taking the time and it's been a little bit still, you know, those are the first steps. That's awesome. Wow. That's great. Great. Thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today. Um, and Thank you both. Uh, we'll hope, oh, to, see you. hope awesome. to see you again soon. Thank you very much, gents. I look forward to it. All right. So we just had an interview with Jay Brave. First interview of of the series. So what do we think? What do we think about Jay? No, it was really cool. Um, Yeah. yeah. And um, I was actually quite impressed because, um, you know, he seems extremely grounded. Mm-hmm. You know, and and just even though his journey in veganism is just about seven years, yeah. but Jay really um, uh, shows these uh, foundational consistency, you know, in 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 what he believes in mm-hmm. and and the way he approaches the world, mm-hmm. and and I really like the um, the community approach that yeah. he also brings to it. You know, that mm-hmm. it's really fantastic. I'm really looking forward to having more conversations with him. You know, um, I, yeah. for me, for me, uh, you know, I feel like um, not just your dad, but um, but and that, you know, that other generation, right? Mm-hmm. And um, to be able to turn around and just learn from 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 Jay in this way is so awesome. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. really looking forward to more conversations with him. Yeah, no, it's it was very very intelligent, very grounded, like you said. Um, 
he's accomplished a lot in that in that time period you know you know right. he, he sort of hit the ground running um and I'm, i think that he was he was in the space in the mind space before he even started you know the vegan journey him. specifically yeah. but um yeah just just very uh a very deep thinker you know paying attention to the intricacies of our world and and what it sort of means to be to to be a person of um that pays attention to conscious living um right. you know not just not just being vegan but like holistically about the environment right. about what what it is where where it is we're going and 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 the best ways to sort of like go about that i think that he's really he's a very deep thinker about a lot of that stuff and i think it's right i feel like the audience is going to be pleasantly surprised you know when uh you know, they see and, and and i i definitely think um the idea of um you know where we begin from the person uh to the social you know mm. community level and then to a systemic uh yeah. process I think that should definitely be um, a conversation we want to have with him next, or at least one of the conversations we want to have with him. I yeah. would really appreciate that. That's really awesome. Yeah, that, that was a very interesting uh, that that level to just to, just like yeah. a, as a model. You know, I'm I'm very you know I, I like to have different models and 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 metaphors to to aid in my thinking of about certain things. Right. So, but understanding you know. You know, a lot of the stuff that we doing individual that we're doing individually, you know, person to person, right? You know, that kind of leads up a trick. You know, if if we're able to, you know, grow and and understand and um, if we're able to grow that individual up to these top levels, and we can potentially penetrate the the systematic or the systemic, you yeah. know. Um, the things that are, that are happening on a system level for the right. for the entire world, not just in America right. or you know, but um, all yeah. over the world. So, yeah, yeah, I'm ec- I'm excited yeah. about yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been good. Yeah, that that that's it for this uh, this episode. Yeah. So we'll see you guys all next right. time. Until next time. All right, bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Green Carpet Interviews. We hope you found it informative and inspiring. This show was brought to you by Veg on the Edge our vegan restaurant in Santa Cruz and San Luis Obispo. If you're in the area, be sure to stop by and check out our delicious plant-based dishes. Check out vegontheedge.com for more information. To stay connected with us and learn more about conscious living, follow us on Instagram at Green Carpet Interviews. We love hearing from our listeners and would love to hear your thoughts and feedback. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time on Green Carpet Interviews.